can nonprofit organizations best use marketing to strengthen their fundraising? Hi, I'm Bill Stanjakevich. This is the first day from the Fundraising School, and I'm joined today by my colleague, Asia May Hurdle. Asia is the Managing Director of Marketing and Communications for the Indiana University Lilly Family School of Philanthropy, and she has extensive experience not just in higher education, but in other aspects of the philanthropic sector, providing statewide, national, and international marketing strategies that inform enhanced fundraising. In Asia, the simple question for today is, how can marketing strengthen fundraising? Well, I think there's a few ways that marketing and uh, fundraisers can really work together. Uh, marketers are all about building a relationship with a brand. Mm -hmm. Fundraisers are all about building personal relationships. So it really should be a collaborative effort between both, both sides um, to make sure that you're really building um, important, impactful relationships with your donors. And so how does marketing do that? I mean, different from the private sector where people are trying to talk us into a project, uh, product, I like how in fundraising we listen people into a gift. And so how does marketing fit in to our relationship building as we listen to the donors and uh, hopefully receive that financial contribution? Sure. Well, and I think part of that is bringing the marketing team in early mm -hmm. with the development team to make sure that they are part of that listening process and are hearing the insights that you're gaining as fundraisers out in the field every day. Um, what impacts those um, donors and what impacts their giving. Those are all important pieces of the pie for a marketer and for a communications person. Um, it's also important for the marketing team to outline how they might strategize with the development team so that they are able to um, really identify areas of differentiation. So mm -hmm. for example, I used to work at a museum um, and there were several other museums in our market, but one of the reasons that we um, connected with our donors was because we were collecting things from the places they grew up. Mm. And so that was a point of differentiation for us. And identifying those really help not only your marketing team in um, promoting not only the programs and offering uh, opportunities to give, but your um, on-the-ground development folks, because that's a great starting point for a conversation. So this was a statewide museum. I, I love mm -hmm. this example that you just raised. And I might uh, visit the museum, mm -hmm. uh, learning about the museum through the marketing and public relations, because I'm going to see things from where I grew up or from the next town over or elsewhere around the state that also became a fundraising message. How, how did that translate from not just marketing, please come to the museum, but uh, a message that fundraisers could utilize to raise support for the museum? Sure, well often um, to provide a personalized um, donor visit, we mm -hmm. might think about the objects in our collection mm -hmm. that we have from a certain donors, either hometown or interest um, that we might be able to display for them or give them a behind the scenes peek. It really created kind of an open door for those conversations. And then the conversation about the importance of preserving that collection for the entire state. Um, and so it was a, a really natural kind of segue um, as you were talking about personal memories to talk about the importance of preserving those memories collectively. And personal memories, uh, how, how direct that must have been uh, because we talk about people making charitable gifts because of their personal values and mm -hmm. so many different personal motivations that they can express and receive fulfillment 
through that charitable gift. So again, it goes hand in hand. So uh, you said there are four different steps. I've heard two thus far. We bring the marketing team in early. And just like we say, the fundraising team needs to be with the program planning and budget planning meetings. The marketing folks need to be at our fundraising meetings. What the marketing folks are doing to distinguish our nonprofit can be used by the fundraisers. What else? Absolutely. Um, I also think the importance of using a multi-channel import mm -hmm. approach is mm -hmm. only increasing. Um, marketers see this in their their work every day, uh, whether it's for uh, social media campaigns or digital advertising. Um, this is something that actually can be incorporated into a fundraising strategy as well. You see it um, in a huge way around things like day of giving, mm -hmm. uh, where people are activating their online resources in a big way. Well, that can be, that should be part of your everyday strategy and your everyday habit. Um, and again, it's that partnership between uh, your marketing team and your fundraising team to make sure that's happening in a way that's uh, co cohesive and compelling and tells those personal stories and is not in a generic format. Maybe let's kind of go from older to, to newer when we think about multi-channel. <laughs> so just even printed materials. Mm -hmm. uh, these can be helpful. They can also be very expensive. Correct. How much is enough? What's what? How do we make that decision as we think about not just marketing, but marketing for fundraising? Yeah, and I think that's a, a lot of the conversation that has to happen between the marketing team and the development team because I think each um, affiliate group with an organization kind of has a different feel about what that tipping point is between too much collateral and not enough. Um, you know, on one hand, it's something that makes you look extremely professional and tailored and well put together and a trustworthy entity. On the other hand, it looks like you just spent, you know, $6 on a brochure. And so there's some folks where that knocks it out of the park and somewhere it doesn't. And so that's where you really have to rely on your fundraising team and your on boots on the ground to say, you know what, this is not gonna, this is not gonna jive with our audience. And in a related point to the fundraising school, we teach that in terms of collateral materials, physically printed materials, less is more. Mm -hmm. We don't want the meeting to become all about the materials scattered across the table. We want to be looking at the donor, understanding the donor, have the meeting be about the donor, not about what's on the table. Uh, and then what about things, you know, billboards, purchased radio, purchased television. I know some of our audience, smaller nonprofits that may not apply to them per se. These are larger budget items, but are these still effective as we think about marketing and fundraising? I think uh, to some degree, um, I think there's still definitely a place for broadcast media mm -hmm. um, in terms of uh, rallying a community around a certain cause or event or day. Um, billboards to some extent can help that as well. Um, but I think again, it's that looking at all the channels that you have in your disposal and saying how can they work together instead of compete with one another and make sure that you have a really unified voice and message. And that's your marketing team should know how to do that. Um, but as fundraisers, then that only is helpful to you to get your message out in a, a nice way. And of course, there are different vehicles and purposes of fundraising. One is the annual fund, another is capital campaigns. We do see more often than not billboards and some of that purchased electronic media occurring during larger capital campaigns, which the cost perhaps can be fo uh, folded into the uh, overall dollars being raised for the mm -hmm. campaign itself. And then of course, we have social media and you touched on that a little bit. And of course, everybody wants the perfect Facebook post or the perfect mm -hmm. tweet that results in the next 200 million plus dollars that ALS raised through the ice bucket uh -huh. challenge. But <laughs> what is realistic and what is the right approach when we think about our social media, our electronic digital media and marketing as that relates to fundraising? 
Well, again, you know, uh, social media is just like your personal social media in that it should be building a network for you and it should be building essentially a fan base for your organization. And so those are great opportunities. Uh, you know, ALS did do it in a phenomenal way with the Ice Bucket Challenge um, to inspire a reaction and um, kind of a snowball effect. Um, however, that can't happen every time. So the other um, thing to think about is what's your social media mix? Are you doing it in a way that is relatable and provides folks with the information they need to make a donation at another point or perhaps to give through um, time or um, testimony in terms of advocacy. And so there's lots of ways that people can give through social media. Um, and obviously, if you if lightning strikes, then by gosh, take advantage of it. And of course, uh, again, at the fundraising school, we teach a 14-step fundraising cycle where making the philanthropic request is step 13. 12 steps need to happen leading up to that, different planning and preparation, including having our marketing strategies and marketing materials ready to go. Asia May, the 14th step is stewardship, and how does marketing help us with stewardship? Staying in touch with the donor after the gift in ways that don't involve always asking for more money. Yeah, absolutely. You know, your marketing team actually can be a very fun, creative spot for stewardship. Uh, personalized videos, handwritten notes and note cards and things that are really uh, low cost but high touch. Those are all ways that you can continue to show your um, your affection for your um, your donors, but also create a real relationship um, that shows you're listening to them, you care about the things that they care about. Um, if you saw them in the news or you saw an article they liked, send it on with a note that sh and it should be branded. Yeah, absolutely. Encouraging people to follow you on social media, uh, whatever those accounts are. Uh, having them receive your regular e-newsletter via email, those are very simple steps we can take. And one other strategy I wanted to make sure we talked about, and that's earned media. Whether it's positioning ourselves as the subject matter experts so mm -hmm. that the media call us, or trying to place these op-eds on a fairly regular basis, how can that help us with fundraising? Absolutely. The more that you are considered a thought leader um, and an active participant in your community, whether that's locally or nationally or even internationally, uh, again, the more trust that builds and the larger the relationship is um, between the organization and its donors. You know, I can tell you my own fundraising career, I would uh, meet a donor, prospective donor for the first time, and they might say, oh, you wrote that newspaper op-ed, or I saw you interviewed on mm -hmm. my local television, or heard you interviewed on my local radio station. There's some legitimacy in that. Absolutely. That can help us with donors as well. Asia May Pertle is the Managing Director of Marketing and Communications at the Indiana University Lilly Family School of Philanthropy. Asia, thanks for sharing your expertise you. with our audience. And of course, we have a public course on this topic related to marketing and fundraising. We can also bring this information and any of our fundraising training to you in a customized format, which is tailored specifically for your nonprofit or maybe your association of nonprofits or perhaps your city or your geographic region. We have quarterly webinars and of course these free podcasts, which are available every week. All of this is available on our website at philanthropy.iupui.edu forward slash the fundraising school. You can also get this information on our fundraising school app, which is available for free on any app store via Apple or Android that you utilize. Again, the website philanthropy.iupui.edu forward slash the fundraising school. With my colleague, Asia May Pertle, this is Bill Stanjakevich, and now you are now more fully informed on this first day from the Fundraising School. Mm -hmm.